Hi, welcome into the 615 Preps Podcast, the recruiting special. Chris Brooks alongside Scott Burton. Scott, how are you? You'll notice we don't have Christian Capozzi this time. He's uh, on some family holiday stuff, so when we let him have the week off. Yeah, it, you kind of you kind of froze me there for a second because I, I always go after Christian. I was letting the, Okay. I'm well, you're sitting in his chair, so, I mean, that, that that was on you. You weren't supposed to say that. Now he'll be all upset I was sitting in his he'll chair. He'll be fine. You just don't uh, – <laughs> he, he, he doesn't have to worry about that. But uh, got plenty to discuss as far as recruiting National Signing Day. Had that The early signing period has come and gone, and a lot to discuss. We'll have VR2's Brandon Martin on with us for pretty much the entire hour to discuss the, the names that have signed, who hasn't, know who the surprises are and looking forward a little bit to next season as well we will do that in just a bit and uh, we will also close out the 2019 portion of our schedule right this is uh this is the the final episode for 2019 it's been a long long Strange trip. I was going to bet you were about to say that, weren't what you? What a long, strange, strange trip, trip it's, it's been. been. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we do have an announcement later on in the show about uh, some more content that we'll be having on during the off season for football. And uh, hope you'll stick around for that and uh, get a, get an idea of what we're doing next. So yeah. we will have Brandon Martin on in just a couple of moments. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. We're back right after this. Do you know of a business who's looking a way into sponsorship opportunities for high school sports? We can help. Email us at midstatepreps at gmail.com for more details on how you or somebody you know that has a business can get involved in the 2020 season. We're looking for sponsors for our website, midstatepreps.com, the 615 Preps Podcast, and various social media channels as well. So email us at midstatepreps at gmail.com to get details on how you can help us out for the 2020 football season. So on with us is Brandon Martin of VR2. Brandon, how you doing, bud? Doing wonderfully. How are you guys this evening? Pretty, pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Well, we've got the early signing period behind us now. Uh, what really surprised you, if anything, out of the out of that first three-day period? You didn't have a whole lot of surprises out of the out of the mid-state for Tennessee. Most of the guys that uh, the high end guys kind of went where they looked like they were going all along, went where they were going to be committed to. Uh, there was a little, a little drama around Reggie Grimes for a minute because at one point it looked like he had changed his mind and wasn't going to sign with Oklahoma was going to push that back. And then he did wind up, uh, I've, I've heard mixed reviews and I've not had a chance to get a hold of Reggie. I have heard that he didn't sign. I've heard that he went ahead and did sign. So I've, I've not got a chance to talk with Reggie about that yet. Uh, Currently, I don't think he has. I don't think he has signed yet. Another one that was a bit of a surprise was Dallas Walker uh, committing to and signing with Texas Uh, A&M. I think that one surprised a lot of people to see that one go ahead and go through. But the... In the early signing period, you had, you had a lot of guys in the mid-state that are going to going to Power Five programs that signed and are, are going to make some noise when they when they get to the next level. You mentioned Dallas Walker. What was it about uh, his his situation that kind of surprised you there? Well, there was you had a push from a few different schools that were trying to get involved with Dallas again. Uh, I'll just pull it up here. Uh, Dallas had offers from a lot of schools. Kentucky had been pushing for him. 
Uh, Auburn got really involved late, and Auburn has done a great job recruiting defensive linemen. Uh, anybody who's kept up with that program knows that. Uh, Auburn got involved with him late. They really liked him. Texas A&M had been with him for a long time. He'd been committed to A&M for a while. Now, I think a lot of people were surprised that, that held just because of the distance uh, out to College Station and with Auburn pushing so hard, uh, wanting to make him a defensive tackle down there, put him in the middle of that defense. But he did hold true to A&M. He's, he's gone out there. So Walker was a little bit of a surprise to see go out west. Well, they had a uh, Tennessee uh, had several uh, early signings. Uh, Keyshawn Lawrence was a, a a big one for them out of Innsworth, uh, projected at safety, if I'm not mistaken. But he's done a lot of selling of the program, I think, to some others. Do you see that? Oh yeah, uh, Key Lawrence is one of the. If you want to talk about for the University of Tennessee, maybe. There's three or four guys in this class that have held it together when things were really bad at the start of the season when Tennessee came out of the gates and just face-planted and people were losing confidence. Everybody was waiting on Keyshawn Lawrence to jump ship. I mean, that, that's all there is to it. Everybody's waiting on Keyshawn Lawrence to jump ship. Oklahoma came calling. Oklahoma made a big, big, big push for him. Oklahoma thought they'd be able to get him, and that was what an Oklahoma coach told me. <laughs> uh <laughs> They uh, they felt like they were going to be able to get him. It wasn't going to be an issue. And in that time, Keyshawn started recruiting other players to come to Tennessee. He always held firm. Uh, he was one of the, the leaders of this class. He was one of the standard bearers for this class. He was probably one of the top peer recruiters. I, anytime we interview a recruit who is committed to Tennessee, we, you, know, you know, who have you been in contact with? Who do you know? Da, 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 da. And Keyshawn. Everybody knows this kid. He's very gregarious. He's outgoing. Uh, he's easy to like. He's easy to get along with. Uh, extremely talented. Tennessee's going to look at him at corner too, though. Uh, that that was a, a little bit of a surprise to me. But they're going to look at him at corner. They like him there and believe he's a good enough athlete to do so. And I, I believe he is too. And it meant a lot for Tennessee to uh, on two four seven anyway. When they readjusted their rankings, they had put Keyshawn as the number one player in the state over Reggie Grimes. It meant a lot to Tennessee to be able to land the number one player in the state. Well, Darren McDonald uh, with Oakland, uh, he didn't sign. Uh, he was seemed to be a strong commit to Ole Miss. Any chance that uh, anybody else has a chance at him now? Anything can happen in this month leading up to signing day on February the 5th. McDonald was, if I remember correctly, he had been committed to Ole Miss and then decommitted, I believe. Right, that's Make my understanding. Sure, yes, yes, he did. He did decommit from Ole Miss. Uh, Diari's a good player. Diari is a very good player. He's got a lot of offers from a lot of schools. One of the teams that I think is going to make a big push for him is going to be Arkansas. Right now, Arkansas is one of the handful of SEC teams that has got a lot of space in their class still because at one point they lost their whole class. Right. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good point. I, I mean, they – at one point, I think in at one point in November, they lost every offensive commit they had. I mean that that is that is how bleak it got at Arkansas. And Sam Pittman has taken over one of the worst situations a an SEC coach has walked into maybe in ten or fifteen years. As as bad as Tennessee fans talk about the situation Jeremy Pruitt walked into, what Pittman has walked into at Arkansas is worse. It is a it is a really, really tough situation for him there. 
he has made two really outstanding coordinator hires. He's an excellent recruiter. Those two things are going to help him a lot. I think Diari is a guy that he would like to get on his defense because Pittman looks like he's going to be able to make a lot of headway on the offense at Arkansas, but he's going to have to work to get some defenders in. Uh, Arkansas is going to be in play there. Kentucky, who had a spectacular class, and they had some guys from the mid-state contribute to that. But Kentucky had a spectacular class. They're going to be interested. Ole Miss, I'm, I'm curious. I'm not close with DRA. I've not had a chance to talk with him or, or see him much. Uh, I've seen his film. I don't know him personally. DRA is a guy that I don't know if it was, does he not like the new, the new head coach in Lane Kiffin? Was that an issue of Kiffin doesn't feel like he's a fit for his defense or he doesn't really care for Kiffin and wants to change up? Is Ole Miss wanting to go a different way? I, I don't know. When you get these head coaching changes, you know, where you were a stone cold lock for one coach and one staff and system, a different coach may not want to offer you because he feels like he needs a different type of player. And I, I don't know what the situation is there. I know he has, I know Tennessee has sniffed around. Tennessee would like to land another corner specifically in this class. So when they go back and reset their board, and that that's the advantage of, after the early signing period, you go into the dead period. After the dead period is over, you have an opportunity to reset your board and start over, uh, to go back and look and go, okay, who hasn't signed? Who have we seen? Who do we like? What are our needs? And just reset everything and start over and run it in fast forward because you got about a month. Right. Uh, Tennessee needs a corner. I think Diari is a guy that could be could be looked at there. Uh, I think Arkansas and Kentucky are going to be two teams that are going to make a big push for him. Okay. Now, you, you were talking about uh, coaching changes. Uh, is that, you think, the uh... – if indeed Reggie Grimes hasn't signed, do you think that's the big reason is because of the talk around uh, the coach there at Oklahoma maybe uh, looking – or Dallas uh, Cowboys looking at him? You know, Lincoln Riley potentially going to Dallas would have to factor in because you don't – at that point, if you're Reggie, you wouldn't know who the next head coach was going to be, uh, and you may want to take take a different route. But you don't know that it's unsure. And again, I've, I've not had a chance to talk to Reggie. I don't like to, I don't like to get a hold of guys around the holidays. We all, we all have our own, our own little rules. We try not to bother guys right the week of state championship games or two days after we try not to bother guys around the holidays. And we know that. So I'll, I'll get with Reggie soon and find out about that. I think he has signed, but I'm not certain. Uh, but I, I'm I'm sure the, the the questions around Riley had to have something to do with it. Now let's backtrack for just a moment. You mentioned the dead period. Exactly how long is that dead period for for teams to have to navigate? Uh, a good way of a good way of thinking about it is go to the end of the national championship game, and then wait about three days. <laughs> and so it'll it'll start. The dead period starts at the end of the early signing period, so it started at midnight on Saturday, and it runs through until it, it's almost a month. It runs almost a month, and then and then you get into the open recruiting time again in the middle of January. Do you see any other any possible other surprises coming out when you when we start thinking about February and 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 maybe who might make a big change? other than who we talked about? I think guys like a, a Devin Curtis at 
at Brentwood Academy, he is considered a really heavy Vanderbilt lean. Uh, really, really considered a heavy Vanderbilt lean. Their coaching situation is way, way up in the air right now. Nobody really knows what's going to happen there. Uh, and it also may be the feeling of Derek Mason's on borrowed time. So Curtis is a guy that could surprise some people and go somewhere else. He's got a lot of interest from different schools here. Uh, he's got offers from Kentucky. He's got offers from Mississippi State, Nebraska, South Carolina. Now, he's com- considered a Vanderbilt lean, but with the coaching turmoil and the uncertainty there, who knows? He's a guy that you could see change. Uh, Corbett Mims is out in Memphis, but Corbett Mims is a guy who could bounce around a bit. Uh, currently committed to Arkansas State, but he's looked at a lot of different. He's looked at a lot of different schools. Uh, Luke Shoes, Luke Shoes out at Ravenwood is an offensive tackle. He's been committed to Ole Miss for a long time. Uh, Shoes is a really nice quality player. He's a good kid. I am curious what's going to happen there because again, new coach, potentially a different offensive system. Do they still feel like he's a fit? Uh, Shoes has been. Like I said, he's been committed to Ole Miss all season long. He committed back in the summer, so that would be a. I was I was surprised when he didn't sign. That was that was one of the surprises when he when I realized he hadn't signed with Ole Miss, and that may also be Lane Kiffin going, look, I want to keep my options open, see what I've got, and adjust from there. But uh, where Shoes winds up could be an interesting one. The the biggest one in state, and it's not necessarily mid state, but the biggest name in state that could surprise people. Be down at Macaulay in Chattanooga. Uh, Jay Hardy is currently committed to Auburn. He was considered a heavy, heavy, heavy Tennessee lean. Uh, shocked a lot of people when he picked Auburn. He's the number three player in the state. Where he winds up is going to be really interesting. Uh, Tennessee wants to get involved again back there. Those are those are kind of it. A lot of your big name guys out of the mid state signed yeah. and signed where you thought they were going to. Uh, a lot of the guys that are left open are a lot of your Memphis kids. You've still got a handful of those guys. Marcus Henderson, who is, you know, was an all American out at Memphis university school. Great kid. I have honestly no idea where he's going to go. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I, I like Marcus. He's a, he's a great kid. He's a great football player, but there's a question of what is he and where does he go? If you ask me where I really just in my, my gut tells me he's going to wind up at Arkansas with Sam Pittman. Yep. There, there are several in the mid state that, uh, that either waited to sign or, or did not sign. And, but it seems like, uh, some of the smaller schools, uh, uh, in the, in the area did not, uh, uh, did not reach out and sign a lot of mid state talent for, for some reason or other. Uh, is there a method to that particular madness uh, with schools in the mid-state that they didn't? Uh, a lo- go ahead. A lot of your smaller schools, especially your your Division two schools, schools like uh, Austin P, for example, mm-hmm. you're waiting for like it sounds bad, but you're waiting for the Division one schools to get done. You're you're going to pull who you can pull, but then at the end of so the, the national signing period starts on February 5th. It doesn't end then. It goes on. A lot of your smaller schools will start making contact. Some of the guys that know, hey, I'm an FCS guy, or this is where I want to go, you'll get those guys early. 
But as you progress on, you may get a kid who's an FBS division, division one talent that doesn't really have a home or doesn't want to go sit on the bench for two or three years or doesn't want to go far from home and wants to sign. He's willing to sign at a smaller school to go be the man and stay close to home and take his chances there. But you don't see those guys until after February. A lot of your smaller schools will fill up their classes in the, in the regular signing period. It tends to be a lot of your power five schools that really fill their classes up. The, the higher up the recruiting rankings you go, when you start looking at the big schools, you see a lot of schools that are pretty full at the end of the early signing period. Everybody else is kind of, you may have four or five guys, but, but that day on February 5th is still big for them to see who's left, who we can get, who fell, because everybody's setting their boards based on the big schools. Right. And so it, it, it's kind of a process. Some of your smaller schools, you, you'll see a lot of guys get signed. Uh, you'll see a lot of guys get signed in, in the middle there. I think a school that you could see make some noise in Nashville, this in, specifically in the Nashville area, is going to be UAB. I think they're going to come up and look up here some. Uh, again, Austin P has had a really good year. Uh, they've really got that program turned around. They have done it keeping some home talent here. Uh, I know ETSU has been making a little bit more of a presence out here. I think they could factor in. Um, you're starting to see a few kids from the mid from the mid looked at by Memphis. You're seeing some get looked at by Charlotte. Uh, Will Healy, of course, was the head coach at at Austin P is now the head coach of the 49ers. He's already got one signee in D1 Gibson from Blackman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's already signed with the, with the 49ers. So I, I would look for Charlotte to pull some guys out of the mid-state. So you, you'll see that. Duke, for whatever reason, I don't know why this is, but Duke has just killed in the mid-state this year. They have they have rolled in talent. I was going to uh, ask you, I was going to ask you specifically about that because there were four solid uh, signees they got out of the mid-state. Yeah, they got Graham Barton out of Ravenwood, who's, who's going to be a guard for them. They like a lot. They got Malik uh, Bowen out of Mount Juliet, a uh, wide receiver who's going to be catching passes in that David Cutcliffe office. You got Michael Reese out at Cane Ridge. Reese's defensive tackle, I think he's probably going to be a defensive end for the Blue Devils. And you got Gary Smith uh, out of Central at Shelbyville. For some reason, I was thinking there was one more, but that may be it. They they came in and just had a fantastic signing period in the mid-state, and they're going to be at it again next year. They have already offered Noah Josie and Eli Sutton at uh, Brentwood Academy. I've, I've seen their coaches at those games. Duke feels like they have got something here in, in the mid-state, specifically in the Nashville area. They, they feel like this is a place they can recruit. They have had success there. They're having a lot of success there right now. I think they're going to be a team you're going to see pound this area going forward. I wonder how much of that is the uh, is the Peyton Manning effect, uh, no, uh, or the, just the Manning family connection with Cutcliffe. Well, you're going to get some of the Manning family effect with Cutcliffe, but you're also talking about Duke is a very difficult academic institution to yeah. get in, right. and so you see a, 
if a, if a kid qualifies to go to Vanderbilt, they're going to qualify to go to Duke. They're going to qualify to go to Northwestern, Stanford. Those are some, Notre Dame. Those are some of the teams you're, you're recruiting against. And when Vanderbilt has been good in the past, they've been good because they've built their teams off of Nashville area talent. And the talent in high school ball in the mid-state is getting better and better and better every year. If Vanderbilt wants to be good, they're going to have to to draw on this. Well, right now, Vanderbilt can't figure out what their identity is on offense or defense. Derek Mason is a coach in limbo. You feel like he may have a year left. There were multiple times this season you felt like he could have been fired. It's tough to sell that on a kid when the guy who is the biggest reason you're going to a school could be gone three games into your freshman year. And in David Cutcliffe at Duke, you have a guy who is one of the most respected offensive minds in college football and in the last 20, 30 years. You have a model of consistency. You know he's going to be at Duke. He has turned down multiple head coaching opportunities. They're not going to fire him. He's the most successful coach they've had there in decades. And you know he's going to put guys in the NFL. You're looking at Daniel Jones right now. You look, you you can go back and see the guys he's put in at Duke. You can see how competitive he's been in Duke at been at Duke in football. So all these guys that are going to Duke, this should really burn Vanderbilt fans because if they can go to Duke, they can go to Vanderbilt and you let the Blue Devils walk into your backyard and take this talent from you. Uh, but I think Duke feels like they've got something here, and they're going to continue to make noise here. Let's, let's turn the focus back to the backyard just for a minute. MTSU is not signing local kids. I mean, do you, do you have anything on, on why that is? Uh, they're tired of being good. <laughs> uh, um, I, I understand. Uh, I understand what MTSU is doing, but I'm going to point to a program right now that I think is an, it, they're in a similar state to, to MTSU. They're in a similar place. And that is Georgia state. Now, 10 years ago, Georgia state would not have been able to sustain a D one program and be competitive, not an FBS program, not be competitive, but Atlanta has boomed. And as Atlanta has boomed, the quality of talent in Georgia has exploded. Uh, Georgia's probably, in, in my humble opinion, Georgia is probably the third or fourth best state in the nation for, for high school recruits. There is an unbelievable amount of talent, especially in that Atlanta area. Yeah, the word is that the talent level really jumped up in 1984 when I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't say that. I just smiled, nodded, and laughed. <laughs> it's okay, Brandon. Uh, you you know what's up. <laughs> I, I, but my, my claim to fame is that I went to the same high school as, uh, oh gosh, um, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara. Thank you. Hey, that that that's a good claim to fame. A uh, yep. lot, lot of Titans fans are not real happy with Alvin right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it was kind of it was kind of a uh, you know bittersweet moment for me. <laughs> For me, it's like, go, go. All right, step out of bounds. (laughs) Yeah, go, just don't maybe score quite so much. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, Look, I I got a chance to go to that game, and a a friend of mine brought me along. And you don't know how close I was to wearing the orange six. That was almost what I wore in. but so when you, when you go back and you look at Atlanta, as Atlanta boomed, so did the, the high school football talent. And anybody that was in Atlanta 
as it kind of hit its boom and exploded and has seen Nashville, Nashville right now feels like Atlanta did 10 years ago. And it's, it's doing the same thing. The city's exploding, and as the city's booming, as the industry's coming in, as, as everything's growing in absolute fast forward, they can't get things built fast enough. People keep pouring in. The level of the high school football talent is going up. And if you're MTSU, you have to capitalize on that. When you are a, when you are a what we call in basketball a mid-major school, which is what MTSU is. Right. Yep. In in football, if you are in a if you are in a talent rich area, you can you can be good just recruiting your local area. Georgia State has done it. Georgia Southern has done it. Uh, they're not in. You know, this next school is not necessarily in a huge population area, but Appalachian State at Boone. Yep. They're near mm-hmm. Johnson City, which has boomed. Yeah. They're near Asheville, which has boomed. You're you're within shouting distance of Charlotte. You've got a couple areas in Virginia, and they're right there, and they have done a great job of, we're going to adjust our scheme so that these guys that are tweeners for a traditional 4-3 or a 3-4, and we're going, oh, we don't know how you fit. You're a good football player, but we're not sure. They're going, hey, we have a really interesting scheme, and it's different than anything you've seen, and you may be a tweener for everybody else, but you're a perfect fit for what we do. And they've taken advantage of that, and they've done well. Uh, when Houston was on their tear and they were so good, Houston didn't recruit for more than an, an hour drive from the center of the city. Everybody they had was in Houston. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati right now has got – Cincinnati spent a lot of time this season in the top 25. They talk about the state of Cincinnati. That's one of the things their head coach talks about. They recruit hard locally because it's a talent-rich area. And even if you come in and – and have the Ohio States and the Michigans snipe the very, very top end of the talent. If you can keep a few of those four-star guys and then a lot of the three, the high three-star guys home, that's an outstanding core of talent. Memphis has done the same thing. That's a great example of what the University of Memphis has done. They've kept a lot of that talent home. They still lose a lot to Tennessee and to Ole Miss, to the big SEC schools, but there's a lot of talent in Memphis, and they keep it there. There's a lot of talent in the mid-state. And MTSU is positioned to pull a lot of it in because Vanderbilt won't because they can't make a decision on a head coach and decide if they really actually care about football or not. If yeah. you're MTSU, you're sitting here. This is a golden opportunity, and I can't understand why they're not pounding the pavement for some of these local kids because D.R. McDonald is a, great, is a great example. If you're MTSU, you should be beating this kid's door down. He should have the opportunity to be a hometown hero and be one of the staples of your class and the faces of your franchise or franchise faces of your of your program going forward. But you've let a lot of these big guys come in here and muscle you out on him. Yeah, it's wild to see like when you see MTSU's class and, and they're not from from Murfreesboro. I mean, I just I wanted to ask you about that because that was something that stuck out to me. Yeah, it, it's really really odd uh, when you see a, a program like Austin P you know, signs three in early signing period. Like you said, most of the time uh, the, the uh, second-tier programs are, are waiting to see what they can get after, after the uh, dead period, and, and they're reaching out and going ahead and grabbing some, some mid-state players. Yeah, they're, 
And if you if you have a guy that you think may sign with you because he wants to sign in that early signing period, he wants to be done or he's an early enrollee, you can get a guy like that. What's going on with MTSU is 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 very head scratching to me because when they had success, because for a stretch there, MTSU had a lot of success, and it was a lot of local kids. Now I'm not saying you have to have local kids to win. You've got to find that mix, uh, and you you've got to recruit nationally and. And in Tennessee, for school like MTSU, I think the meat and potatoes of your program has got to be has got to be local, and you've got to take advantage of this talent boom that you're sitting on top of. But for some of these guys, for certain things, you're, you're going to have to go out of town to get them. The state of Tennessee is not particularly noted for producing a lot of great quarterbacks. That's just nationally. That's just how it is. There are some good quarterbacks in the state of Tennessee. You've got some kids that can play, but for elite quarterback talent, you're usually looking somewhere else. So MTSU may feel like they need to go somewhere and get that. For the really, really high-end elite speed guys, everybody looks in Louisiana and everybody looks in Florida. And if you're MTSU, your Conference USA, you've got to play some of those teams. You've got to go down into Florida and play Florida Atlantic, who who just recruits speed, 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 speed. But, that's that, that's a problem you've got to have. So you've got to have guys that can cover those dudes. Sometimes that means you got to go to Florida and get them. It, but it, I, I yeah, but, and it makes that makes uh, sense. But then you have a program like Kentucky that realized they were getting beat in their own in you know trying to recruit out of Georgia, Florida. So they turned to Michigan and Ohio and started competing with uh, with Big Ten uh, schools and things of that nature. And won. Yeah. Didn't didn't just compete. They competed and won. Kentucky's signing class, if 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 you're talking about somebody who's just interested in college football on on the whole and on the wider scale, if you're if you're a fan in the SEC and Kentucky's on your schedule, you're looking at their signing class and going, that that's gonna be a problem. <laughs> Kentucky's defensive line is going to be monstrous. They pulled Josiah Hayes out of Horn Lake in Mississippi, which is just south of Memphis, they pulled Octavius Oxendine, and, and everybody in the country wanted Joseph Hayes, everybody. He, he had offers from everywhere. They landed Octavius Oxendine from North Harden, right there in their backyard, uh, beat Tennessee out for him. That was a guy the Vols wanted. That was a guy a lot of schools wanted. North Carolina and Mac Brown made a big push for him. They kept him in. They landed uh, Justin Rogers out of Michigan, who is a legit five-star, I think is the highest-rated prospect in the history of the school, uh, who is an absolute monster. And then from here in the mid-state, they pull Trayvon Ribka out of Dixon County. And Ribka at 6'4", 281 is the runt of those four guys. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Uh, out of those four dudes, Trayvon Ribka is the runt. That is a That defensive line is going to be a problem. Uh, and and Kentucky may not be done here. They they like DRA McDonald. I I think they're going to make make a push for him. Uh, they like Devin Curtis. I think they're going to make a push for him. But this Kentucky defensive class is going to be really really good. They could pull some more guys in February from the mid state. They're going to be one to to watch going forward. And you know, we talk about a lot of the most of the guys we've talked about so far have been guys that have gone to SEC programs or local programs, one of the guys that I want to bring out, and 
one of the programs I want to talk about is Battleground Academy, uh, Battleground Academy out in Franklin. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garnet Hollis, they have a long rangey corner, 61185. Really, really good cover corner. Uh, I didn't get to see him live. I got to see him on tape. I was actually watching another kid, and I, he caught my eye on the way he was playing. And I got to watch some of him. He's going to Northwestern play for Pat Fitzgerald, who is a great defensive coach. Uh, Hollis is a kid who's going into a really good situation at Northwestern. I think he'll play there early. And that that might be a name that you hear become become a star and surprise some people. Hollis is a really good player. Another defensive back from Battleground, also going to the Big Ten, is going to be Antonio Stevens. Uh, Stevens, a good safety from out there. Battleground has put out, to be as small a program as they are, they have put out a lot of good football players. Uh, Stevens is going to be one of the better players in Purdue's class. Hollis is going to be one of the better players in Northwestern's class. So that's two guys from the Mid-State going up to the Big Ten that I think could both make early impacts and could be really good uh, I really like what Hollis could be with Fitzgerald up there. So you're you're talking about kids from the mid-state doing well. Uh, another one, you got Jared Dawson uh, going to Louisville uh, from out in Collierville. Defensive tackle, 6'2", 260. Uh, I was talking earlier about App State and that innovative defense they ran that's really kind of screwy and it fed off of tweeners. Well, the guy who built that defense was Scott Satterfield, and he's the head coach at Louisville now. Dawson's the kind of guy he, when you watch Dawson on film, he's a Satterfield guy. Like two years ago, I've been like, he's going to app. Just he's going to app. That's where God meant for him to be. That's why he made him that way. He's, he's going to be a mountaineer. (laughs) Uh, He's Cardinal and he's, he is, he's made to play for Satterfield. I think he's going to do really, really well there. Louisville is a team that I think would like to get a bigger cut of the mid state. Uh, that's an ACC team that would like to come down and have more impact here. They're not far from the Nashville metro area. You have uh, Satterfield has recruited Tennessee well in the past. Now, he recruited a lot more out of East Tennessee. He would pull some kids from the mid-state, but he, he recruited East Tennessee well. But he knows the state. He's familiar with it. Louisville is not that far. And it's an opportunity to, to dip into another talent pool. He would like to come down here and have a bigger impact. Uh, I, I think you're going to see Louisville and Duke fighting for a lot of the same guys going forward. But keep an eye on Louisville to make a make a jump in in their recruiting down here. I've got a uh, I've got a list of some just some players, and if you if you've heard or you know of anything or got an opinion on some of these guys, let me know uh, if you would. Uh, these are just guys that didn't sign that are on the radar, and uh, and and if if you know them, that's fine. Uh, one of them I'm interested in is Demik Starling, the wide receiver from East Nashville. Um, you have yeah. uh, have you heard anything on him? I I haven't heard anything on him. Like I said, a, a lot of these guys, especially a lot of the smaller schools, and. And I know here in town, East Nashville seems like a like a bigger school, but East Nashville is not a not a huge school. A lot of those smaller schools, those guys wind up waiting as well too, unless you are just a standout way better than everybody else, because there's questions about your level of competition. Okay, how about Chase Bishop? Out Where's Chase at? Independence. Uh, he's uh, Blaine Bishop's son. He's a wide receiver. Uh, I know he's had offers at Ball State, his dad's school. But also, I think that Memphis and Missouri and Purdue were also looking at him. 
I believe I remember hearing something about Chase and Memphis. I think the issue at Memphis right now is they're kind of waiting to see who the the next head coach is going to be there and get all that finalized. But I, I do remember Memphis having some interest in him uh, and really liking his tape when they saw him. That might be an interesting interesting one to watch. And then Ball State again, where again where his dad played, he's a legacy there. His dad's probably one of the best players to ever come out of there. So I, I look for them to factor in as well. And I know that uh, you know you've been uh, you know you you've had some uh, players uh, that uh, you were waiting to see if they got any offers. Uh, is there is there anybody out there uh, that uh, you expect to to garner, garner some offers that maybe hasn't uh, that that hasn't been on anybody's radar as of yet? I think you're going to see a few guys. One of the guys that and, and if you guys have followed me on Twitter, if you've been around, one of the guys I've been harping on all seasons, Tony Rice out at Ravenwood. Uh, I cannot understand how Tony Rice doesn't have offers yet. It it doesn't make sense. The kid's tape's too good. He's too good a too good a kid. He does everything the way you want him to do it. Uh, very very complete running back. Um, he's starting to get some some interest. There's starting to be some buzz. Uh, Central Arkansas has been has been pushing around there some. ETSU's been pushing around there a bit. So again, some of those some of those schools that are probably going to pick up this month or shoot next month in January leading up to, to the February signing period. Uh, another guy that, that I have, have had a chance to, to look at quite a bit is Gerard Bullock, the quarterback out at uh, Innsworth. Gerard has had some FBS interest from smaller schools. Uh, he got an offer the other day from, I think it was, I think it was either Valdosta or Valparaiso. I think it was Valparaiso. I think Valpo made him an offer as a quarterback. Uh, I know UMass has has kicked around there as a quarterback. He's a really interesting kid. He's got a unique skill set. Uh, you don't find a lot of quarterbacks that are also state champion wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, that's that's not a typical combination. Uh, no. <laughs> he's a he's a good athlete with a nice arm. He's mobile. But he's also a kid that he waited his turn at Ensworth, so he's only been a starter there one year. And you can look at that two different ways. You can look at it and go, well, he's only been a starter one year. He's really inexperienced. What do we have here? Or you can go, look, there's a lot of nice athletic talent here. This is a kid who doesn't have any bad habits. And I can mold him into what I want him to be. Uh, I think he's – and it, this is a guy who's been the Titans player of the week several times. Uh, Bullet can play. He's, he's, he's a, he's a good, and he can play quarterback. I think it would have to be at a, at a group of five school if he goes to the, to the FBS, but this is a kid that if he goes to an FCS school, it may take him a year and he's a very intelligent kid, but you may take a year to teach him your offense. And this kind of young man, you can catch a program too. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where those two go off the top of my head there. Let's look ahead to next year's class briefly are there a couple of names that stand out to you for the class of 2021 well who if again if you guys have have talked to me very much uh i'm i'm curious if there's anybody that you there should be one name you guys know i'm going to bring up go ahead (laughs) (laughs) for for my money it's eli sutton yeah yeah I, i think eli sutton is the best offensive tackle in the country period the end not, not in the state. Not. I think he's best offensive tackle in the country in the 2021 class. 
Kid is 6'8". He is 285, 290. He moves like a cat. He's a technician. He's intelligent. He he just does every single thing you want to see an offensive tackle do. I got a chance to watch him live twice this past season. Uh, one game they were playing Whitehaven, which just that defense was monstrous. And he did a brilliant job against those linebackers. They've got a defensive end out there who's already getting big FBS offers, Power 5 offers. Eli did a great job on him. Uh, the one that really stuck out to me was the ESPN game when they went out east and played Knox Catholic. And uh, they played Knox Catholic out there, ESPN game. And he was his his biggest sign was he drew Tyler Barron. Tyler Barron's top 100 player in the nation in the 2020 class he signed with tennessee and eli sutton whipped his butt all night <laughs> he did sutton did not lose a single rep against baron all night now baron wound up making a play in that game it was a strip it was a strip sack wound up being a safety blew the game open uh, catholic wound up winning but it's really important to note they had to move him away from eli to get any pressure on the quarterback Knox catholic had to stop going at Eli with a top 100 player in the nation because he was being completely neutralized. That's how good Eli Sutton is. Uh, and Noah Josie is not far behind him. Noah Josie also at Brentwood Academy is one of the best guards, uh, one of the best guards in the country coming up as well. He's got offers from all over those two guys. Scott Wells is their offensive line coach. Of course, Scott played at university of Tennessee Went up, uh, played for a long time with the Packers and with the Rams. Won a Super Bowl. Went to some, went to several Pro Bowls. Uh, and Scott was always known as a technician. His offensive linemen have been technicians. To me, Eli is. I think it's a crime Eli Sutton doesn't have fifth star already. I'm, I'm, I have, I've rampaged on about this for a while. If Eli Sutton doesn't have a fifth star, there's no point in having stars because this kid's amazing. Uh, Jake Brenningstool at Ravenwood is another one. Uh, 6'6", 220, 225, somewhere in that neighborhood. He moves like a big wide receiver. They, he's listed as a tight end, moves like a big wide receiver, fantastic hands, good routes, does everything you can ask of him. Uh, his dad played at Michigan State. Michigan State's in play there. Tennessee's trying to get in play there. But everybody's chasing Clemson, and I think that's where he's going to wind up. I think he's going to wind up. Uh, going to South Carolina in in Clemson, playing for Dabo, and just being a nightmare over the middle. Uh, another guy that gets a lot of publicity, everybody in the country is after, is Andre Turrentine at Innsworth. I don't know what it is in the water at Innsworth with these defensive backs, but it works. Yeah. Uh, Turrentine is outstanding. Uh, and I the only thing that may hold him back is I don't know what he is because he could be a fantastic safety corner, nickel corner, free safety, strong safety. If you wanted to put him at wide receiver, he can do that. I think he's a better defensive back, but you know, he is a brilliant athlete. I'm going to bring up two guys from Pearl Cone. Actually, I, I want to talk about those guys as well. William Griffin is one guy at Pearl Cone that blew me away when I got to see him this year, six, five, three, ten. You know, talk about stuff in the water. Pearl Cone has these big guys that just don't fade. I don't, I don't understand what their conditioning program is, but man, it works. Uh, because Elijah Simmons was the same way. 
you're talking about guys that are well over 300 pounds, big guys working hard, busting their butts every play, and playing every single snap of a game. They do not come out, and they do not fade. And it's just 300-pound guys are not supposed to be able to do that. <laughs> they're, they're just not. <laughs> no, 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 not no, 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 no. Not at all. <laughs> And I've seen several of them at Pearl now. William Griffin is the latest one. Uh, I think at the next level, he's going to be a right tackle, where I think Eli Sutton's going to be a left tackle. William Griffin's going to be a right tackle. He's got offers from a lot of SEC schools. I know Tennessee's offered, Auburn has offered, and is pushing hard for him. Man, he's a mauler. If he gets a hold of you, you're going for a ride, and it's not going to end well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another guy at Pearl is Kendrick Breedlove. Uh, Kendrick Breedlove on tape, when I watched him play, I kept going, he reminds me of someone. I can't figure out who it is. And I kept looking and I kept looking and I went, it's Rashawn Golden. That's who he reminds me of. Mm. His build is similar. His play is similar. He attacks. He attacks the way Golden did. He's a good tackler. He's good in coverage. He's very aggressive. He likes to blitz. He supports the run well. And he's he's got that same kind of edge to him that Galden had. Then then let's talk about these receivers at Cane Ridge because Lord they got a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, I I know he's not rated higher. I think Adonai Mitchell is the class of the three. I think Adonai is a little more explosive, uh, outstanding hands, great leaping ability, very very technical receiver. Uh, very technically sound. He understands his craft and he tries to master his craft. And I, I've enjoyed talking shop with him a little bit, getting to watch him work. Uh, very complete receiver. He's a guy that as right now on two, four, seven, he's rated as a three star. When guys go back and evaluate tape, he's going to get his fourth star pretty quick. A six, three, one, six, three, one ninety. I think he's probably a little heavier than that and probably a little taller than that. Very, very, very gifted wide receiver there. Uh, one of his running baits is Quentin Barnes. Barnes is listed at 6'2", 175. Uh, Barnes is currently rated as a four-star. And Barnes plays like a bigger receiver. He plays like he's a, a little bigger body than Adonai does. He he muscles guys out, and he uses that big frame and those long arms and that big catch radius to to snatch balls that people probably shouldn't – he probably shouldn't get to. But it, it's almost like watching a big forward in a basketball game box somebody out. And he, he runs his routes like that. He used, he understands how to position his body. He understands that he's bigger and stronger than guys, and he uses that to his advantage. Uh, Barnes is a is, is going to be a good player. I think the last I heard, LSU was really pushing hard for him. Adonai has got – Adonai now has an LSU offer. Uh, Tyroid Good is the third wide receiver there, and he is – sneaky good. I think he's the kid that you could see really climb the most out of the three. Now, Barnes and Mitchell are pretty high up right now, but I think you could see Tyroid Good really climb up in a hurry. Uh, some smaller Division One schools, Western Kentucky, App State, have been kicking the tires on him. He's a smaller receiver. He's, he's a slot receiver. It's absolutely what he is, but good routes. He's quick. He's quicker than he is fast, and he's plenty fast, good hands. And just every time you turn around, the kid's in the end zone. You you may not really know how he got there, but it's like, oh, he scored again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I think in the games that I have covered them, I've seen him run a punt back, a kick back, take a handoff in for a touchdown, catch a screen pass and, and uh, haul it in, catch a post route and haul it in. I mean, he, he just, he just keeps scoring. He just keeps getting in. So those are, uh, those are just a few guys. Like Quantarius Lusk is another guy at, at Cane Ridge while I'm, while I'm looking at that one. Lusk is going to be interesting because he got hurt this year. He didn't play at all this season. And he is the guy who could, he could explode into a big national target if he comes back from this injury healthy because of his frame and his weight and his quickness. Uh, he's, if he comes back to the form that he was in before he got hurt and continues to progress, he's going to wind up at a big SEC school, big, big 10 school. Somebody is going to build a class around this kid. He's, he's a very good player. I think he's a little underrated right now. That's probably because of the injury, but you could really see him blow up. Uh, Damon Owens is still at Ravenwood. You've still got uh, junior Colson. How did I not talk about junior junior is just a tackling machine. Uh, he's, he's one of those linebackers. If it moves, he hits it, uh, all over the field. He can cover, he can blitz. Uh, they really like blitzing him off the edge. He does a great job with it. This is the guy that I think the combination of junior and, and Reggie Grimes are two of the guys that made that Ravenwood defense so good this past year because teams were just afraid to run at Reggie. They just, they didn't run at Grimes. And the reason that that Brentwood or that Ravenwood defense stayed so good because if you ran away from Grimes, you're running into Colson. Right. Yep. And oh, well, you're not running the Grimes. Well, that's great. You're still getting hit for a one yard gain, and when he gets his hands on you, you go down. Yeah. I mean, there there is a lot of talent in the mid state next year. Uh, Javon Nelson down at Riverdale. He's got a lot of, of big-time offers. Walker Merrill, wide receiver at Brentwood, has a lot of big-time offers. I mean, there are there are a, there's a lot of talent in the Mid-State next year. You're, you're going to see some of it shake up a bit when the evaluations come in. Uh, part of the reason for that is right now everyone is focused on the 2020 class. Mm-hmm. When they come to 2021 and they reset their board and they look at everybody's junior film and they look at the camp and they reset it, you're going to see a lot of guys who are not listed right now shoot up because they've not been paid enough attention to. But there's a lot of, of national talent in the mid-state next year. It's, it, it's going to make for some interesting recruiting news and a lot of quality football. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Um, just a lot to a lot to take in with that big group coming in next year and uh why don't we can't wait to, to get around to it even though it's still seven eight months away from us oh yeah yeah there's a there's a lot of talent as as you said uh, brandon there's there's a lot of talent that just seems to be getting better and, and i look for that trend to continue you've got several programs here right now that are they've been stable for a while there are really good coaches there they're developing that talent well. They're sending that talent to the next level, and success breeds success. Uh, so you're seeing some of that, and then you're going to continue to see there's going to be more kids. Yep. There's going to be more kids. There's going to be more population. The talent's going to increase. The ability of these schools to go against larger programs and keep guys fresher, specializing more, is going to increase. And so it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch as it goes on, but. I, 
talent in ta- the football talent in Tennessee is on the way up, and the mid state is a big reason why for that. Now, the interesting thing is going to be can the mid state schools, you know, because a lot of what we're talking about right now, when you guys bring me on, we're talking about individual players. Right. right. When we talk about some of the teams, is anybody going to be able to knock off Maryville or Alcoa? That was the question. Chris and I were sitting here looking it was who's going to answer. Question, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Who was going to ask it? <laughs> yeah, because because people people have been trying to figure out how to do that for twenty five years. Yeah, and and not just Maryville and Alcoa that uh, that triumvirate over in four A with Anderson County, Elizabethton, and Greenville too. No, there. You know, Greenville's been good for a long time, and but but what what I don't know what's in the water in Blunt County, but Maryville and Maryville and Alcoa have been doing what they've been doing forever mm-hmm. i mean just I, I even when i was in high school high school that i went to uh, we wound up playing out or wound up in the same uh, same classification as alcoa and desperately wanted to run into them one year in the playoffs and we came up one game short i'm, I'm still bitter about that because i would have loved to watch that game but I mean, no, nobody has had an answer for as good as Maryville has been. No one's had an answer for Alcoa in, in three A. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought if anybody had a chance to do it, I thought Pearl was going to do it this year. Yeah, I thought yeah. Pearl had, I thought Pearl had the best chance yep. and Pearl got ran. <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe Pearl got run. Oh, uh, yeah. And, it, and there was, and to tell you the truth, Brandon, there there seem to be a, a common thread from what we can see. The lines on those schools are just massive. Their interior linemen on both sides of the ball are just insanely large. Tennessee is the state of Tennessee in recruiting is known for nationally linemen, linemen and tight ends, offensive, defensive, and then tight ends. That you can get other things here, pretty good for running backs, pretty good for defensive backs, but you're looking for linemen here. And I guess the old saying is just, it's country strong boys. Yeah. Like yeah. when, when there isn't anything else to do besides farm work or work on the river or go back in the mountains and play football. Yeah. And that's all you got to do. You get pretty big and you get pretty stout when it's, when it's cornbread and beans for every meal, man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. True story. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm saying this as a kid that grew up out that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's home. That's how I grew up. I've got buddies that, that, that fit this. People will laugh and be like, oh, that's a stereotype. Like, no, it's not. That, that's what we ate. <laughs> and when when you're in some of these rural areas and some of these mountain areas, like it's it's football. That That's what you do. It's football and farm work or football and, and doing some kind of physical work. And football is such a big part of your life. But the you get these big kids out there. You get especially out of the – the coal fields up in Elizabeth and up that way, uh, you're talking about being near coal country in Virginia and, and Kentucky up there. And then you've got a, a, a coach like Sean Witten, who's an outstanding coach mm-hmm. and Elizabeth is a good program. They pull a lot of speed guys. There is talent in East Tennessee, a lot more than people realize you just got to hunt for it. Just like Eastern Kentucky is badly under recruited. Southwest Virginia is badly under recruited. A lot of East Tennessee is under recruited because, and Western North Carolina for that matter, because people have questions about, oh, well, the level of competition. Well, you may have the level of competition, but if you have one guy here who's just manhandling everybody else you put in front of him and he's the size of a small hatchback, I'm willing to give this kid a shot. 
But the issue comes in that it's the same reason I don't see a lot of these kids. If I'm going to travel to go to a game and I'm going to travel three, four, five hours to watch kids play, I want to watch three or four guys that I can write up. I want to watch three or four guys that I can evaluate that I'm pretty sure going to the next level. When you get out there, it may just be one kid on the field that's going to the next level. And so they don't get a, a lot of publicity. And I think a lot of people feel like, well, they're not as good. And then you've got some good programs out there that, that really coach their programs up well. But now those lines are big and it's a lot of big, strong country boys that can move you. Well, speaking, speaking of somebody big and, and notice this, uh, you know, I, I was noticing uh, Cade Chambers, the quarterback for Maryville, that ended up going to, I think he signed with Indiana State with the Sycamores. That was one big quarterback. And About he, six, six, I think. Yeah. And, and he, I mean, it's just like when, when they rolled those, that's the quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, he's huge. He's massive. And he's got a, I, I, I thought for sure that he, we might see a different school, but uh, uh, for him, uh, maybe, uh, you know, a power five school, but yeah, you know, just because he looks so accurate, but maybe it's just been, uh, some, you know, in that one time I saw him. So now Cade's Cade's been good for a long time. I feel like he was probably a bit under recruited. Uh, he and his name escapes me. He and the quarterback at Greenback mm-hmm. were both on. They both played for Maryville last year, and the young man that wound up going to Greenback uh, went down there to play. So that he and he and Cade are both playing now. That's part of the reason you saw kind of the air raid you saw out of those guys. They're yeah. big guys. They can throw. They can. They, again, there's talent out there, and there's there's system to it too. But talent and system, the two that I can't figure out still are Alcoa and Marable. I mean, they they are just they never have a down year ever. Either of them. Yeah. Well, by the, by the next time we talk, I, we probably won't have an answer for those two either. <laughs> but uh, we got to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, Brandon, really appreciate you coming on with us and, and talking recruiting. And it's a lot to dig into with the, the Mid-State and, and just the whole state of Tennessee in general. Hey, Brandon, well, uh, and make sure before you go, we need to make sure – you gave us so much good information. We need to make sure that people know uh, – how to follow yep. you and where they need to, where, where they can follow uh, Vol recruiting reports. Hey, we appreciate you guys coming on. We, of course we run into you guys all the time at the games when we're going around, uh, love your work. We try to share what you guys are doing. Uh, love you guys covering the mid state, doing these programs the way you are doing these kids the way you are. And we enjoy that. Uh, if you would like to follow us now, we primarily cover the university of Tennessee targets and recruiting, but, if you can tell from the rambling that I've done, I run across a lot of kids that are going to other schools and play at other schools. Uh, we share information with some, some other sites, but we cover a lot of news on kids all across the Southeast. Uh, I do a lot of work here in the mid state. I do a lot of work in the Memphis area. I travel quite a bit. Um, my partner, Matt Ray does a lot in the Eastern part of the state and he does a lot in the Atlanta area, Georgia. Uh, Dale kind of does Georgia, Tennessee, the Carolinas, uh, partner David May does some work right here in, in Nashville. He kind of stays local. He sort of allows me to go out and make some of these Mississippi or Kentucky or Alabama runs that I make or up into Virginia that I make from time to time. But we go all over the Southeast. We try to do as much recruiting as we can coverage as we can. So if you're interested in recruiting, give us a follow. If you're a Tennessee fan, give us a follow. You can find us at vr2.site. 
That's vr2.site. If you want to find us on Twitter, it's at underscore vr2 underscore. If you want to follow me, it's at Brandon underscore vr2. Uh, if you see us out of the game, come wave, talk to us. Uh, we're out on the road a ton. Uh, love seeing friendly faces, love meeting people. We try to cover the team. We're doing a lot of basketball work. We're going to be on the road doing some basketball coverage here, here soon. Uh, going to be getting out doing that. We stay pretty busy. We keep the content rolling out. We try to be as, as current as we can with everything for you. And if you really want the, the nitty-gritty inside stuff that we do, uh, talking to coaches from other teams, talking to players and their parents and the things that we find out that nobody really knows unless you're out there and build these relationships up that we've got, you can follow our premium. Uh, you can join our premium content. It's $3 a month if you're interested in recruiting for the University of Tennessee there's not a better $3 a month you can spend. I promise you it'll be worth it because nobody puts out the coverage that we do. But Hey, I, I appreciate you guys letting me come on, letting me ramble. I hope that, uh, hope that it was helpful and you guys enjoyed it. I love your work. I love the show and, and love seeing you out there. We certainly appreciate having you on and what, what you guys do. And, uh, there's plenty to take in and I know next year is going to be really, really fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I can't express to you the appreciation I have. And the admiration I have for you guys and your work, uh, you know, every time that you come on, I learn so much. Yep. And uh, it's it's just uh, we d- we definitely appreciate you spending time with us. Hey, thank you guys. Y'all have a merry Christmas. I appreciate you having me on. And in, again, anytime, please do. I love I love working with you guys. Yeah, merry Christmas merry to Christmas you and yours as well. Too. Absolutely. That's Brandon Martin for VR two joining us. Uh, definitely thank him for his coverage and. Uh, We'll wrap this thing up in a bit. You're listening to the 615 Preps Podcast. We leave you, as always, with the music of Mama Tribe. A special thanks to them for allowing us to use their music for our podcast. That is all for us this week. We will see you again next week. Back here in the 615 Preps Podcast. Big thanks to Brandon Martin from VR2 for joining us for the hour and, and all of the information that he had for us. Just a wealth of knowledge. Oh, I mean... Every time he comes on, it is something new. Um, those guys, you just can't beat them, especially if you're a Tennessee fan. They they keep you so much informed on what's going on. But just in recruiting in general, those guys are everywhere. Yeah, yeah, just all over the all over the southeast as far as on the recruiting trail and uh, plenty of news to to keep up with during the off season as well. Of course, they talked about basketball season as as well. So there's plenty to plenty to take in but uh want to talk about a a new thing for us going forward this is our final regular episode of the 2019 season scott and i have another podcast to share with you a little bit different take on some other things it's not necessarily sports related per se but uh uh, it's called the casserole of nonsense and we will have our debut episode on christmas day so look for that scott what, what are we doing well, I mean, if you if you know us, then you know the casserole of nonsense is an apt description of any discussion that Chris and I have. Uh, in, we are going to run the gamut of ideas and discussions, but primarily, it's uh, it's just a, a fun chance to for us to interact, to give our takes on things, to interact with you people out there, the listeners, all six of you. Um, no, uh, I thought, sorry. I thought, was, I thought it was two hundred. 
No, it was 200. It mm. was 200. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Subtle dig at somebody. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. But I, it, it's just going to be a lot of fun for us. Um, but, uh, and, and truthfully, what you're really getting is kind of behind the scenes content of the conversations that we have when, when the red light is not on. And uh, except we're turning the red light on for some of this and uh, against our better judgment. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's going to, it's good. Hopefully you give it a listen, give it a couple episodes. I think that uh, you'll find it enjoyable. Um, if, if, you know, laugh with us, laugh at us, uh, laugh near us. Uh, but you know, just uh, it's, it's there for us to have a good time. Um, and, and uh, to uh, talk about some things that pop up, uh, random stuff, uh, but we have some uh, what we feel is some good prom- programming ahead for you. Yeah, we'll hope you listen in and uh, interact with us on social media over there as well. Uh, like I said, the first episode will drop Christmas Day. We'll have some periodically during the football offseason, hopefully about every week. But we do have one more 615 Preps podcast scheduled for after the usual signing day period begins in February. We'll have more about that later on, and, and hopefully a special guest or two as well will be joining us. So we'll have more of that. But uh, for now, we are going to say goodbye for the season and just kind of wrap this thing up. And uh, when we started this thing in July, it, it came together so fast that I think we were just kind of you know, thrown into doing this on the fly, and, and it just kind of became its own. Yeah, it, it really this this started out as uh, uh, you know as anything else. It kind of grew out of uh, you know the re- relationship that Chris and I had over the years talking sports, and uh, you know those discussions became uh, more interesting. And as Chris uh, you know began to teach me more about the high school, the prep ranks and things like that, uh, I became more and more our discussions became more and more interesting, and. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it, it really, you know, the opportunity presented itself, uh, and thank uh, thank you all for being with us. Um, we had a blast doing it this Absolutely. year. Uh, it you know it, the people that we met, uh, the the professionals that we've worked with, uh, that work diligently, and you know people don't know what goes on from you know. Reporting, coaching, you know, everybody. It's so much different at the high school level as it is opposed to college and pro uh, because I've seen all three levels of it. You know, it, it's a different type of reporting because you're dealing with minors mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to in professionals and college ranks. It's more structured as far as media access. It's a little different down here. And you, you make it make of it what you what you can and what the schools are able to to give you. And we obviously appreciate all these schools that allow us to help cover their kids on Friday nights and, and during the week and you know able to spotlight their athletes in a positive manner. That's what we try to do around here. And, and obviously there's news that sometimes isn't positive and it's unfortunate, but you know our goal is to, is to be fair and to be honest and, and I think we've done that. I, I agree and you know, truthfully you know, when Chris and I started this out, it the main thing was was you know doing right by the kids, and and promoting uh, promoting high school sports uh, football in particular uh, in a positive light, and 
and and you know to to shine the light on on some of the good things that are out there. You know, as as uh, Brandon said earlier, this is a sport that is just growing in popularity, participation, and in quality. And you know, we get to see it on the front. It's a privilege to get to see it firsthand and to work with some of these kids. But uh, you know, nothing nothing pales comparison to the relationships that the coaches and the kids uh, have between each other. Uh, that is just a joy and a blessing to see. And, uh, you know, to me, that is uh, something that is worth discussing, something that is worth bringing up yep. and talking about. Yeah. And to do it from the ground up to, to build something from nothing to, I mean, it's, it's a modest beginning in this first season. So yeah. We are looking for sponsorship for 2020. Yeah. So please, Please reach out if you were interested in that. I know that uh, a lot of kids would love to to be able to get more coverage, and uh, we want to be able to bring that to them. So yeah. uh, midstatepreps at gmail.com if you are interested in becoming a sponsor for 2020. We will we would love to talk with you and, and how we can help your business get out to more people as well. Absolutely. And the, and the thing is, is that this is a short amount of time that we've been doing this. Yeah. And the listenership, the following – the social media presence, everything has grown exponentially oh, yeah. since August 1 when we launched this yes. because it, it was just that long. So, you know, right now is a great time to partner with us, join with us because we're growing and we can help you grow your business. You can help us grow ours. It's a partnership just like anything else. And, you know, like I said, this is, this is, a, this is my one blatant pitch, <laughs> you know, to say, hey, we are – really would like to have some sponsors out there to allow us to do some other things for the kids that we weren't able to do and maybe provide some more coverage uh, and, and cover some more kids. Yep. Um, but uh, if even if we don't, we're still going to do what we do. That's right. Um, you know, like I said, Chris, this is our opportunity to start something from scratch and do things the way we think they should be done. And uh, and there are others out there that don't feel the same way as we do, and we've come across that this year as well. Not necessarily directly, but maybe in an indirect manner. I'm not going to mention any names here because that's not warranted, but, you know, we believe in doing things the right way. I mean, I've been in this business for a long time, and, you know, I've been at the high school level for a long time, and I understand what really should be done and how to do it the right way at this level and not necessarily, you know, on some other ideals of, of other people, but right. that's, that's a story for another time. But my focus has always been on covering the kids and the school and pools and the schools and the programs the way they should be. Right. So I believe we've done that. I hope you all have enjoyed it for this season. We're looking forward to 2020. We've got some big things in store. Thank you all so much for, listening to us for putting up with us for following us on social media even correcting us when we've been wrong and it's probably going to happen again at some point and and and, and trust me we, we want to hear from you so you know reach out to us on social media uh send us an email uh chris just gave the email address um and we will you know we will respond because uh we want to hear about it uh, what you this is the show is from us it's to you help us make it better help us make it what you you know give us some ideas of what you want to see uh, you know th this show uh, really needs your input 
And, and, you know, so please, anything that, uh, you know, you know, if it's really mean, you don't have to say, (laughs) (laughs) but no, I mean, really we can take criticism. Uh, We have all year. (laughs) (laughs) From each other too. (laughs) No, no, seriously. Thank you for, for listening to us throughout the season. Have a wonderful holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy new year. All all the holiday stuff. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. I hope we cover the gamut. Yeah, I mean, we don't mean to leave anybody out. Absolutely not. Uh, so, on behalf of Chris Brooks and the absent Christian Capozzi. He wishes you all happy holidays as well. Exactly. I'm Scott Burton. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful holiday. Special teams for the win. Look at you. I'm, <laughs> I'm so proud. We swapped roles for the last time in 2019. So, I'll get to say it. Thank you all so much. We'll see you in 2020.